morning and welcome to our daily word and prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today as we talk about the Bible, the Word of God, and how it relates to our origins. We've been talking for the last three weeks about the creation-evolution controversy, and I hope I've given you a new way to think about it and look at things and to see this in a new light, in light of God's Word, our origins. It's so, so very important. Well, today is our last session on this, and there's a lot of questions that get asked, obviously. You can't hope, when I'm on campus or even on these, I can't hope to deconstruct 12 or more years of education where this theory of evolution has been taught us so clearly, so strongly, so so uh, authoritatively without the other side ever having a chance to fight back, other than maybe a Sunday school class that you go to when you're just a little kid. And the tough questions that need to be asked really get talked about once we get a little bit older. And so today I'd like to just address some of those final questions. I've got about 10 of them, so we're going to have to go very fast. At the end, I'm going to give you some websites where you can get more detailed information. And in the description below are also some websites where you can go that have tremendous information because this lightning round, we're going to have to be fairly quick. These are going to be short answers, quick answers, just to show you there are answers, but to whet your appetite. And they're not going to be able to be fully answering uh, the questions that are raised. And I might add one other thing. Keep in mind this discussion of creation evolution. We need to declare it to the unbelievers. But what I've been focusing on here these last three weeks is what about those of us who believe? You see, there's many, many people who name the name of Christ, say they're a Christian. Maybe they're young people involved in the church, in the youth group, and so on. But because they've not been taught these things and equipped with these answers later in high school or maybe in college, they're, they, they lose their faith. I've had people even writing to me and say they've, they've come to accept evolution and they think they're still Christian, even wonder if they're still saved. And I asked, how's your walk with God doing? And they say it's pretty cold. There is a connection. And so we need to be proactive in teaching the church these things, teaching our young people these things, teaching us adults these things, because these are important issues. This is the way Satan is trying to undermine our faith. And we've got to be ahead of the game. Don't just react to people losing their faith as a result. Sometimes then it can even be a little bit too late. So um, again, these are quick answers. For those of us who believe the Bible, for greater detail, there'll be some websites in the description below and in the uh, my, my last slide. You ready? Here we go. Here's some questions. Number one, if everything needed a maker, then who made God? Well, we don't say everything needed a maker. We say everything that begins to exist needs a cause. God never began to exist, so God needed no cause. God is eternal, but the universe is not eternal. The earth is not eternal. We're not eternal. Everything that, that we see had a beginning. The universe had a beginning. We believe the, the beginning is God. We don't believe nobody plus nothing equals everything. We believe that the universe displays a, a creative order that came from an intelligent designer, and that designer is God. He's eternal. He needed no beginning. Second, if we didn't evolve from apes, then why did chimpanzees and humans have 98% of the same DNA? Well, first of all, we might question whether we do. The reality is that those statistics or those claims have been around for a long time, long before I was hearing them before the human genome was even mapped. Why is that? It's because they compared certain sections where we are similar, 
And they didn't compare the entire DNA. They compared, they took out certain portions that are similar and found that there was similarities. Well, of course, in other words, maybe check for the eyes or for the the smell or different parts of the genome instead of mapping the entire genome of chimp and human. They've done more work on it since, but this claim has been around for quite some time. The more they do, the more they realize maybe it's closer in the low 80s that we're similar to a chimpanzee. But here's the thing. Even if we were 98% similar, we have 3 million base pairs. They have even more, believe it or not. We have 3 million base pairs. If we're 98% similar, that means we're 2% not similar, which means we have 60 million genetic differences to our closest alleged closest relative. So you've heard the saying, there's lies, doggone lies, and statistics. Well, sometimes you can use statistics to say whatever you want. 98% sounds like we're almost like kissing cousins, doesn't it? 60 million differences sounds like, hmm, how could that have ever happened? That would have taken a long time, that's for sure. Um, we don't believe it happened. Third question, we're taller and we live longer than our ancestors. Isn't that proof of evolution? Answer, of course not. No. Why? Because we're still humans. That's all that matters. All we claim is humans will always be human. If someday every one of, if, if my uh, great-great-grandchildren are all as big as Shaquille O'Neal, they're still human. If their skin color is a little bit different, they're still human. If, they've, if they're whatever it is, bigger, stronger, live longer, they're still human. We're human, even though our ancestors, Adam and the early ancestors, they lived hundreds of years. We're all still human. This has nothing to do with, with evolution, with, it, with what we would claim relates to it. At best, it would be for them an example of how they, they conclude microevolution would lead to macroevolution, which again, we accept microevolution changes within a species. We don't accept macroevolution, new species originating from different ones. However, more important than that, we're just taller and live longer because of things like nutrition, healthcare, shelter that we have. It's not related so much to our genes. It's related to, to our environment that is causing us to be taller, live longer, so on. My, my parents would have my, my mother probably lived 40 years longer than she would have had she lived 200 years ago. Why? Because of hospitals and medical care, not because of anything in her genes. Next question, where did Cain get his wife? If he married a sister, wouldn't we all have birth defects? If there was interbreeding, wouldn't that be ca the case? Now, this is really interesting because remember we've talked about the concept of genetic entropy that we don't believe the gene is getting better, it's evolving into something better. We believe the gene breaks down. We believe that mutations, by and large, as they add up, are negative, deleterious, it's, it would be the word, rather than advantageous. What's that mean? It means when God created Adam and Eve, their gene, their genome may very well have been perfect, just like they were. It began to deteriorate when sin entered the world and death entered the world. Before sin, there was no death. There was no disease. There, the, the gene would have been perfect. But as a result of sin, that's when the curse came. That's when, when the, we, death entered, disease entered. The genome began to break down. What does this mean? Cain could have married his wife, and there would have been, there would have been few, if any, 
excuse me, could have married his sister. There have been few, if any, recessive genes present in Cain, uh, uh, recessive negative genes in Cain at the time. See, this is how an inbreeding hurts. You can have a, a, a negative gene, a bad gene, a birth, gene that causes a birth defect, but it's recessive. And so it doesn't come forth unless you it shows up in both uh, male and female, i.e., you married a close relative or reproduced with a close relative. But that wouldn't have been a problem in the early generations because their gene had not begun, their gene had just begun to break down, and these negative things weren't there yet. It's one reason they lived long, long years, because their genes had not accumulated these mutations that were negative brought disease and, and earlier death. So this could have happened, but after a number of generations, it could happen no longer. And so God forbade it at that point. Next question, how do you explain many similarities between living things if we didn't have a common ancestor? Well, we say we had a common creator. We, we believe that God made all of us, and in making all of us, he made us similarities because there, there were advantages there. God saw that, that the things that he put in us, two eyes, for instance, would be advantageous to focusing, telling depth, and all and so on. So he didn't make a lot of creatures with just one eye, if you see what I mean. But that doesn't mean we, <clears throat> we came from the same common ancestor. It means we had the same common creator, the same engineer who used the advantages of DNA, for instance, or circulatory system, things of this nature, and he put them in many, many organisms. Number The next question, how can stars be millions of light years away and the creation be recent? This is a tougher question. And to be honest, the astronomers who work on this, they talk about things that kind of go over my head, no pun intended. But if you want to know more about stars and starlight, I would encourage that you check out some of the websites I'll share in, here in a, in a moment, where they really do, some of these astronomers have talked about things that are very, very interesting and, and um, uh, true aspects of science. But there's a couple of things we should know here. Number one, a light year does not mean, it doesn't refer to time, it refers to distance. Now, this is hard for us to break through in our mind because we think year, that's a measurement of time. But a light year is a measure of distance. What distance uh, light would travel in a year is the idea. But that's assuming the travel is constant. And so that's the first thing we got to realize because it's, it's something to really break through in our thinking. Light year doesn't refer to time. It refers to distance. So something can be a million light years away doesn't necessarily mean it took a million years for the light to get here. That's a measurement of distance, not time. And then we have in Isaiah where it says that God stretched out the universe. And we know that when he created, he stretched it out and it happened. This was a, no doubt a miraculous event. When God created and he stretched out the heavens, this is not something that was done and has continued to be done today at the same rate it was done then. And so this is how we would assume this. But there's also all kinds of interesting science about how fast time how fast time moves in far distance away from gravity. Did you know that actually technically time up in a satellite goes at a different rate, different speed, time itself than down here on earth? This is when we put up satellites to give our GPS, they had to adjust because our our it was everything was all thrown off, all the data was thrown off because they discovered that time goes slower up there 
in uh, in a satellite than it does here on Earth. That's kind of weird, kind of strange. It gets into more involved stuff. Check out some of the websites I'm going to share here in a minute. Does the bacteria developing resistance to antibiotics demonstrate evolution? No, it doesn't. That may all, all that happens when you have a bacteria and you take antibiotics. It kills off a lot of them, but some survive, and those that survive continue to. Uh, reproduce and then become more pre- uh, prominent, pro- more prevalent. They they have survived. This shows us survival of the fittest, but and we believe that as an evolution, as a creationist, we don't have a problem with that. But what we challenge is the arrival of the fittest. You see, the fact that bacteria can resist antibiot- develop resistance to antibiotics, doesn't mean that it created any new genes. It just means the ones that had those those genes that could resist survived and and multiplied more so it's not the arrival of the fittest it is the survival of the fittest we creationists believe in the survival of the fittest we ask the evolutionists to explain the arrival of the fittest without referring to the creator could there be light before the sun was created well again another question that the bible doesn't really give us the answer but there are clues the bible said the the, the there was light and day and night before the sun was created on the fourth day of creation. How could you have had that? Well, it's interesting to read in the scripture that God is light. Perhaps God was providing the light. You say, well, that's, isn't that just metaphorical? In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, I believe, verse 5, it says there will be no need in the new heavens and the earth, no need for a sun, for the Lord God will be the light and provide the light. And so perhaps this is the answer to that question. We don't know for certain what was God the source of light? Was there another light source that he had not yet mentioned? But what we do know, but it is possible that God himself was that light. Finally, which came first, the chicken or the egg? This is a question that has plagued scientists and philosophers for years. Those of us who believe in Genesis know the answer. It was the chicken. And so here are some websites I would encourage, answersingenesis.org, genesisapologetics.com. GenesisApologetics.com. It says .org there, but I believe it's .com, icr.org, and creation.com. Four great sites where you can find more information that can help you on on, uh, more detailed questions that you have, okay? So we worship our Creator, and we love Him, and we thank Him. Father in heaven, we give you praise. We thank you that your ways are right and true. Oh, it's so interesting to search out who you are and how you've made the world to discover to discover that that your truth written down in the bible over 2000 3000 years ago it still can stand the scrutiny of the skeptic today we thank you we have answers oh how we pray that people would find them oh how i pray for people who've been been confused or deluded or or discouraged because of things they've learned in their, about evolution, when we have the answers that you are the creator God, and we worship you as such, we honor you today, we follow you with all of our heart, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thanks for being on me with me on this journey the last three weeks. It's been exciting for me to talk about God's creation. I love the Lord. I love his creation. Our God is such a wise, intelligent, powerful, almighty being. 
you see it everywhere you look. The more you look in a microscope, the more you look in a telescope, the more you look, walk through the woods, the more you look in nature, the more you learn about chemistry, biology, the more you want to study theology. Because God is the, the study of God is the, the great study of all. And from Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. And so life is found as we walk with Him. Don't ever let anyone take that away from you. Don't let anyone steal that away. Don't let anyone say you're just a monkey or an advanced ape or you came from pond scum or you just evolved by chance. You didn't. You and I are made in the image of God. I'm thank you for being with me. If you're new today, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I hope you join us every day because we're here every day, live at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. But you can watch later in the day or even listen to the podcast in the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. I hope that you like the video, share with your friends, subscribe, hit the notify button, leave a comment. I always like to know who's listening and, and where you're from. To those of you here every day, God bless you. I love you. So glad you're here. And I know we're so in the seed on good soil. We want to be sincere Christians. We want to grow. We want to be mighty for the Lord. We know that to do that, we, we got to get in the Word of God every day. Whether we feel like it or not, you've made a commitment and you're here and I'm grateful. God bless you. I love you and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.